0: Hello and welcome to GIST Radio. We are a casual radio station where we broadcast when we have something to say. GIST stands for getting the shit together and we broadcast important interviews and information for artists and creatives of all kinds. For more information on GIST, please log into our website at www.gyst-ink.com where you will find free resources, software, and publications for artists. You can email us and let us know what you would like to hear about at info at dot inkcom Thanks for tuning in. Hello listeners, I'm your host Cara Tomei. And I'm glad you're tuning in to this episode to hear from an artist who has successfully hybridized his practice by turning his interest and dedication to public art into a major career. My guest Mark Pally is an expert in public art, having curated, planned, managed, consulted on countless projects across the United States. His resume is many, many pages long. Um, I'm just going to welcome Mark to the program and start chatting. We have a lot to talk about, and especially in terms of GLOW and other things. So, um, Mark, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Kara. Delighted to be with you.
0: I'm glad you are. I think first it would be best to, I'm going to explain the web of connections that we have, the two of us, because uh, it's interesting and it's going to be a lively conversation because of that. Um, So, I uh, work for Just Radio. I'm the, the manager of the station and a host. And GIST uh, Radio is a product of a company called GIST, Get Your Shit Together, which is run by Karen Atkinson, who is a longtime professor at CalArts, about 30 years at CalArts and a practicing artist as well. And the CalArts connection comes into play strongly. I happen to be a an alumni, as Mark is, CalArtsians everywhere. So I was hired by CalArts Community Art Partnership Program. Glenna Avila is the director there. And she recently hired me a few months ago to coordinate some projects for the GLOW Santa Monica event. Oh, this actually already sounds like the listeners might be already confused about these connections. Maybe Mark and I should just start talking a little bit about um, GLOW first, because that's the impetus for this particular show at this particular time is we are a month past GLOW Santa Monica, which is a major public art event that Mark is the artistic director of. So, Mark, how did you come to choose CalArts Community Art Partnership Program as a partner for GLOW? Every
1: GLOW um, includes three network partners. And the reason that we invite um, our partners is because it, it's a way to disperse the curatorial vision of GLOW, which we're very much in favor of having multiple perspectives impact the nature and quality and variety of the arts that we present and the artists we present. And one way to achieve that is by inviting arts organizations in Southern California to co-curate with me um, particular projects. In in, in, uh, the instance of 2013, we invited Jacaranda Music on the Edge, LAX Art, and the Community Arts Program of CalArts to each curate programs for GLOW. In and previous years.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, because our audience, some of our audience might be finding us on air and not even know what GLOW is, just also just introduce GLOW <laughs> as as what what is GLOW Santa Monica?
1: GLOW is an all-night art event on the beach in Santa Monica. We invite artists to make unique installations that are specific for GLOW that meet the conditions of being on the beach, that welcome an audience of a minimum of 100,000 people to the eight-hour event. It's modeled after an event called Nuit Blanche in Paris, which began in 2001. The idea being transforming public spaces for brief periods of time into artworks. So that it is a redefinition of what the city can be. In the case of Santa Monica, it's what the beach can be, and how the beach can be re-envisioned by artists. And we think this kind of reimagining of public space can be a catalyst to reimagining public life, and that it's through the ideas of artists, even manifest in such a short period of time as eight hours, that provide the seed for, dare I say it, revolution, or at least modest rethinking and reforming of our public lives.
0: So there you go. That's what we do. We we commission it. Go on. Yes, um, this is a beautiful description of what it was. And having experienced it myself as, you know, even as just an audience member, even though I was working the event as well, it's such a stunning experience. And people are there on the beach just wide-eyed with awe about it all. And it is a very, very special thing. I think before we get into two, more detail about the event, which I want to do, I actually want to pause and kind of backtrack a little bit since I have you, Mark, to talk a little bit about your background because this show, and especially Just Inc., are really dedicated to showing and telling you know, uh, uh, people in terms of artists who have hybridized their careers into various realms. And you started as a practicing artist and then moved into public art. And I would just like to talk a little bit about that. You have made your own artwork. Your your artwork is in the collections of major museums, including Los Angeles County Museum of Art, MOCA, Orange County Museum of Art, and more. Then you moved into teaching studio art at Art Center, and uh, then you were the director of LACE, and then you worked for the city of L.A., and I mean, there's just a lot, you have a, an interesting career path. And I don't want to spend, you know, uh, 30 minutes on each subject, although we probably could, but could you just talk about that trajectory, about first you're an art student at CalArts, and then you move through these kind of interesting, uh, you know, jobs and, and, and to where you are now?
1: Yeah, it kind of amazes me. I mean, I I look at this kind of history and now there's a few years behind me and I think, well, how the fuck, can I say that on radio? How the hell did <laughs> yes. that happen?
0: Yes. So we are called getting your shit together. So you're okay. allowed to. Okay. So control. how the
1: heck and whatever <laughs> did that happen? And um I don't know, does one believe in fate? Does one believe in surrender? I'm not quite sure, but just some of the kind of the facts. When I graduated CalArts in 1978, uh, the year before, there I had a colleague named Jill Gigerich, and she had, as soon as she graduated CalArts, she got recruited into be a member of the artist collective LACE, and
0: um, which, which still morphed eventually today.
1: into LACE as we now know it on Hollywood Boulevard. It began kind of as a collective funded through a, a federal jobs training program. And Jill said, we're looking for a, a manager for the gallery, for the LACE gallery, and asked me if I would um apply and I had just graduated, and I wondered, well, what am I gonna do? You know I've got my degree, and I wanna be this big artist and have a big art career and da 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 but I didn't know what I was doing, so I did need a job, so I applied and lo and behold, I was hired, and suddenly, I was thinking of myself as not just an artist with a recent m f a from Cal Arts but also, with a job is called the gallery manager of Lace, which I didn't have a clue what that meant. I knew nothing about anything, but I gradually learned, and the, the job morphed into the director of a nonprofit that we formed, which became Lace. And uh, at the same time, I was I was a very engaged artist, working in my studio on days off. Certainly, every single evening, it was very hard. I had a child. You know, there were multiple conflicts, but I was, you know, young and committed and driven and somehow managed to develop two careers. One as an arts administrator and one as a practicing artist with a career. I managed to, was fortunate enough to have a dealer, uh, first uh, Ulrika Cantor and then Rosamond Felsen, very supportive, really interesting galleries that put me into very, sort of stimulating dialogue with other artists and a good context for curators and collectors to kind of take note. So I was moving along in that vein. And at the you same know, time... Let me, let, me, sure. let
0: me pause there because there's a lot of meat in there, a lot of meat in what you said. And especially just want to kind of grab one phrase that you said which where you felt like you're an artist with two different careers. I think what GIST is all about and Karen talks a lot about is is that... Why do we think about it as two different careers? You know, like we have this idea that if you're an artist and a practicing artist, then that's the only, you know, that's the only thing you should, could be doing. And then a job over on the other side is something else. You know what I mean? But especially for someone like you or if or people, artists who stay in the creative realm and might, their, quote, job might be managing a gallery or something else, that's still your practice, correct? Don't you feel that way? Well
1: I definitely feel I'm whatever my activities have been uh, they were in the art world you know I wasn't also doing uh, emergency room medicine which in fact there are some artists who've done that all of my activity was in the art world but I did feel they were I don't it doesn't matter what you call it career or track or activities they I didn't see them as the same thing and I mean I saw them perhaps as mm-hmm. complementary but definitely not the same thing because my studio practice is so solitary and so um, singular and so much about my own particular private visual language, whereas my work at Lace or doing public art or Glow is so much about convening and assisting and facilitating and helping artists present their work in some form of public context.
0: That is a really interesting distinction that you made. I'm glad you made it because it, that, in terms of the kind of work you were doing, I, I like, I love that. I like that description that you kind of clar clarified that. Uh, just quickly, were you? What kind of art did you make when you were in the studio making art?
1: Well, as I said, it was very much a development and a refinement of a, of a, of a, I would say, a private vocabulary that had to do with looking at the world and synthesizing and formulating and hypothesizing a kind of global vision, maybe dealing with things that start out at a particular and immediate and private observation or space right in front of me, but then get connected to a larger entity, and I guess it had to do with Looking at contradiction and unification as connected realities, which maybe has to do with that I was able to have two separate tracks and see them as whole. So my art was very much about fusion and friction on an abstract plane.
0: Yeah, Hmm? well, that is, then that makes complete and total sense that you are the artistic director of Glow. And actually, it's a big leap, but I'm just thinking about how being trained as an artist. I'm sure helps you and I, 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 in terms of now working with artists realizing their vision. I mean, I have a similar thing going on as an independent curator myself. I mean, your your level is a bit broader, higher than mine, but I was trained as an artist, got my MFA from CalArts and I uh, now do a lot of independent curating, working with artists doing site specific Work and you, we speak their language. You know, it, it, as, a, as an administrator, there's lots of people who've come to public art administration from the business administration side, but coming from the art, art trained as an artist side, as kind of I have, isn't it nice to be able to speak the language? And doesn't it keep you more mm, connected to the to the to the you know the meat of the artistic vision uh, in, in, in a more full way?
1: Well, I think it's clear my values are about getting art out and that it's the art that I'm most interested in. And I always say that to clients. If they're interviewing me, why should we work with you? And I say, well, if you work with me, you have to understand that my first priority and my commitment and my passion is about the art. Because in these public art situations, there are multiple agendas which are converging, and art is only one of them. You know, oh, yes. You, you know, from the grossest level, and I just mean gross in terms of big, you have public safety issues. You don't have public safety issues in a private gallery. But the minute you put art out in the public domain, on the street or in a plaza or on the beach and glow, you suddenly have to deal with people in planning, you have to deal with the police, you have to deal with the fire department, you have to deal with the public safety people. Um, And I do that, but I'm always stressing the art. What is the art? And then, of course... Artists understand that I'm sympathetic to that, and so I don't know that it makes it easier for them to respond to some of the constraints that are part of making public art, but um maybe it does you know maybe I do speak their language, but I also am a strong advocate for art within non art domains.
0: And right, which is actually why you're so good at what you do, because you can go those You know, there's there's a different kind of your brain at work when you're dealing with see all that, that the stuff you just talked about, the administration, the details, the city, the planning, the you know the people in government, all of that. You have to you have to deal with them, and then also dealing with the artists. It's a it's a very not everybody can do those two things, and you do it beautifully. Having worked with you on Glow, it it was. You know, wonderful to see. Um, let me talk, okay, so so where did the public art uh, come into play? I mean, how did you get from studio artist, you know, also managing the gallery and being involved in the collective? So where was the jump to being involved in public art? For the, or, the, or not jump, the process. How did the process get, yeah, you, well, get you into well, public I art? Yeah, good question. Well, I
1: always was interested in the social condition of <clears throat> sort of the collective. And as a youth, was very involved in civil rights. Um, and so I've always been an observer and a participant in kind of the broader social questions of the day and as much as I you know revere and respond and am dedicated to a life of kind of um, art and studio practice and painting very you know traditional sort of hermetic pursuits I've also been an observer and, you know, committed citizen. So I'd say that's background. Then when I was at, um, and in fact, my MFA show at CalArts was I did a project to, my uh, ambition was to subvert the United States economy. Not that Whoa. I came to this, but that was, my, that was the, the goal of the project. And I did a whole money piece. So I you know, I'd always had an interest in, in the social conditions, economic issues. Then when I was at LACE, we started thinking about programs where we could expand the audience. We did open studio tours so that we could kind of bypass the gallery. Uh, we got a grant from the NEA to do public sculpture. And then I started working with the Community Redevelopment Agency about getting funding for, for LACE and then when i left lace the community redevelopment agency was starting to develop a public art program and they asked me if i would help them write the guidelines so that was in 1985 so again just like jill kind of said you may want to apply to this program this and then Ari score at the cra said you you know we'd like to get you on board to write these you know help us draft these guidelines for developing a public art program so Kind of very uh, fortuitous moments for me, you know, where my network right. paid off, and right. it yeah. kind of just grew. I'd say there was a the foundation, and then there was the opportunity, and then it kind of married with my own capacities and skills, and it just grew from there.
0: Right, it's fabulous! You just and you took the opportunity and applied everything you had, you know, the to it. Opportunity, and, and I
1: did see. I, I saw early on that the art world was bigger than staying in galleries. That just seemed okay. The gallery is one context, but you know right. we need to make more. I saw that early, early right. on.
0: And so you were with the CRA for a while, and then I, but then I see on on your resume, your list of public projects you have, you know, had your hand in is voluminous. So, did you become an independent? con you know independent contractor consultant uh at, at some point is that how it worked in terms of working yes on i so left many the CRA products?
1: because it was so demanding and i actually when i left the CRA my art career was booming and i thought okay this is it i'm now on you know it's my turn to be the you know the famous artist which lasted i had ah. it was real for about a week you know i had a little <laughs> hot moment maybe it was a month who knows um I had a one-person show at the Orange County Museum of Art with the catalog, and you know collectors were buying the, the whole schmear. That um, that didn't go anywhere, but I did get out of the CRA because I thought, okay, I got to get on. You know, this is what I've been working for forever. Um, right. And then I was teaching never, at Art Center. Mm-hmm.
0: Another, it was another twist, another kind of, another exactly. life was presenting you exactly. this, you know, this focus. You know, it sounds like you've gone where where the focus has kind of landed and just ran with it each time. And that's exactly. often what an artist's life is about, right? And not a straight line. Artists don't live straight lines. No, it's kind
1: <laughs> of like your life is an abstract expressionist painter. <laughs>
0: right. You know, where
1: one gesture kind of leads the way and you go with it and then there's another gesture not like it's not like a, not like a <laughs> Agnes Martin painting it's not no. a logical logical grid um, right so um, yeah then when I <clears throat> had left the CRA and then was teaching at Art Center for 15 years teaching painting and class in modernism and a bunch of other stuff but um, I got tired of that and I didn't like being a part-time teacher it was too hard for too little money I realized I had these skills from the CRA, and I was asked by um, some people in Anaheim to help them with their public art because I'd worked with them at the CRA, and suddenly I was an art consultant in public art. Another
0: fortuitous moment.
1: Yeah, it was another fortuitous moment. So I've been doing that for quite a while, and that's why you see so many projects on my resume Right. But it you know it's been more than a few years, so it just adds up,
0: okay, and then how did your involvement in glow start well you know i'm I'm curious how did glow start at all, and where were you in that process of starting it or, or working with it because now it is kind of your the head <laughs> so when, i have been- you... w-
1: I had been working with the city of Santa Monica as the um artistic director of a temporary art project called fresh art where every summer we uh, took over clover park in santa monica and and commissioned artists to create pieces there and that had started under the auspices of maria Luisa de herrera who was the cultural affairs manager and then uh, she left and jessica Cusick came in as the cultural affairs manager and i said to jessica i think fresh art is getting stale
0: to, no no longer need, fresh.
1: Yeah, it's no longer fresh. It's, I'm not even sure it's art, but it's time <laughs> to rethink. And at that same time, we both had met a woman who was in residence at 18th Street Art Center as an artist in residence, Alexandra Cohen, who um, was an artist from Paris, and she had worked on the on the Nuit Blanche, the all night art event, and she was trying to get people in LA interested in the idea, and she had talked to Jessica about it and had talked to me, and Jessica was like, whoa, this is really interesting. Maybe we should do this in Santa Monica. And fortuitously, the city of Santa Monica was in the middle of a cultural planning process and had discovered that I think something like 42% of the residents of Santa Monica make some or all of their income in arts and culture and media, So Santa Monica was really an art town, even though it isn't what it used to be because of how costly it all is. There's still a great deal of people who make their living. That includes, you know, entertainment attorneys down to graphic designers and artists. And this planning process declared that they wanted a signature art event for the city. So Jessica... In her great visionary wisdom and administrative prowess, thought glow would be well, it wasn't called glow at first, but an all night art event would be the perfect ticket and she invited me to be the artistic director that was back in two thousand six wow that
0: that's uh, that is kind of kind of lucky because. Also, the resources that have gone into GLOW in terms of city money is quite significant. It's it's a major, major city. Like you're saying, it's a city. It's a, it's an event run for, by, within in the city. I, it's just being involved in it and seeing all of that uh, support was really amazing. I don't think there are a lot of – well, there isn't a, a, another comparable event in Los Angeles on that scale.
1: No, there isn't. There... Or in
0: California.
1: No, the made, only one that's comparable is in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Mm. And they, they uh, it's called uh, Northern Spark. And uh, they do a wonderful all-night event, <clears throat> but they don't commission the large things that we do. They're, it's mostly smaller. I mean, we commission major works. Matt right, well, let's
0: so. talk about let's talk about some let's talk about some of the fun stuff now of Glow. I mean, and for the let's just for the first year, for instance, it's the first year of Glow. You came out of the box pretty big, though. I mean, you really immediately commissioned very large works, and and it was an immediate success with you know hundreds of hundred thousand people. I mean, that's amazing. No, that it was two hundred and
1: fifty thousand the first year.
0: Wow. Wow, that's It that's blew incredible. us away.
1: We were expecting 35,000, and the police right. estimated 250.
0: Oh, my gosh. It yeah, was, did it was that too become, big. Did that, did, that become, did that massive difference become any kind of issue or problem that year, or was it just a wonderful surprise?
1: No, it was uh, it was too much. We weren't prepared. I mean, we had to shut down right. the pier and close down some of the events for a while and wait wow. for the crowd to disperse. Uh, we People thought it was like a rave. You know, an all night thing on the beach. So they, so we had the whole ravers come, and it was the third most googled word in the world that night.
0: Oh my goodness! The ten freeway oh was
1: shut down from PCH to the four hundred five.
0: Oh my gosh. It, well, was, okay. hey, yeah. it
1: was insane. Yeah.
0: yeah, that is absolutely insane. And and obviously from you know, now I, I now you've got it way more under control in the city you know, the, what's what's great is the city responded and they've given you more and more resources obviously exactly. because this yeah. this yeah. past year you know, we we saw a similar crowd, and it looks like every you know everything was was fine. And I mean, I as as a, one of the coordinators um, or a coordinator of several of the projects, which we'll get into. I, I going to that, and I've never done uh, never been involved in a city event like this before. To go to the, a meeting, we you called a meeting for all of the artists or and or their coordinators or project planners, and there were. We had a briefing by the police department. There was a briefing by the fire department. There was, a, you know, there was planning and zoning. I mean, it was every resource of the city uh, talking about how they were supporting Glow that night. It was amazing. That's right. It was really amazing. That's right. Yeah, really amazing. I we skip ahead a little because let's just for fun go back to the first Glow and tell the, um, the audience also about one or two of the projects themselves let's talk let's give some art uh to to the audience as well uh, we
1: decided from the beginning we needed one we needed one major artwork you know we had a very limited budget and we we decided we had to put our resources into one artwork which would just be kind of you know the showstopper and then Mm -hmm. commission a number of smaller ones um and so, you know, I mean, that's a little bit of the star system. I know it has its downside, but the upside is if you're trying to get something rolling, you really need something very memorable and major. So the first year, uh, Jessica and I actually, we, we picked an artist who was based in London, Usman Haack, who had been doing some really spectacular um, projects which involved the um, participation of the audience, which is uh hallmark of glow we want to have participatory artworks not every single artwork but a lot of them so Jessica and I went to London and met with Usman and happened to we timed our visit to see one of his um, installations and it, it was just breathtaking so what we did for Usman he came up with an idea that would require he found a, a piece of equipment in in Anaheim which was, which was a fountain which shot water of uh, 60 feet wide by 40 foot tall. It was like a water wall, but from a nozzle on the ground, so it went up. And then we had to to feed the pumps to create this wall of water. We had to build on the beach a reservoir to hold enough water, 200 feet by 60 feet, and line it with vinyl. Wow. And feed it fresh water. So oh, th- wow. this is this is what we did the first year we got the wow. beach the beach maintenance people to come out with tractors and build this reservoir and then we, we all I did it too I was one of the laborers I'm not just the artistic director I quite often manual labor out there stretching vinyl on the sand to to create the the pool that would feed the 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 uh, fountain that would create this water wall and wow. then
0: and then the a water wall was behind I the wall all uh-huh
1: Projected um, and the projection was um, visual imagery, which was impacted by the audio input through eight microphones that surrounded the perimeter of the reservoir. So, if the audience came up to these microphones and created audio input, that inflected what the visual information would be on the on the wall of water. So that was one of our projects.
0: It's pretty outstanding. That's oh yes, crazy. absolutely. And of course, if you're sitting at your computer listening to this podcast, just go ahead and go to glow santa dot org and look at the amazing pictures and videos from all of the years. Because you know, it, all night festival. So this is in darkness. Everything's lit. There's projection. There's light. There's things glowing. I mean, it's, it's such a it's such a beautiful event. Um, well, let's let's skip to the event that uh, of, of just a month ago. Does it seem like huh? a long time ago or a short time ago, Mark?
1: Both. It's definitely both, right. both,
0: both, both.
1: You know, it, so, it was, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so um, we met when you came up to Cal Arts, and CalArts basically took the um, this this grant that you gave uh, the 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 CAPS program, and we called uh, art uh, art. Right, professors and uh recent alumni together in these kind of think tank sessions it was really a wonderful process to be involved with and then we came up with three well two pretty major projects which ended up being um maybe more than than uh you had even hoped for <laughs> in terms well, of scale. well you know scale. i don't
1: know if you're aware but karen's piece we were fortunate enough to have the guardian you know the the august newspaper from london picked up on glow and did a slideshow on it on its website and one of the images they picked up 10 images from glow for the slideshow and one of them is karen atkinson's project for glow
0: yes I did I did see it. Yeah. a word on the beach was that uh Karen Atkinson's project, which I'll describe in a minute a little bit, um, and the the, the others were, were, you know, were were very popular. So Karen Atkinson, who uh again is the founder of GIST, she came to the um the the group you know with at Kel Arts with an amazing idea, and she was chosen as one of the lead artists to do a piece for glow and It was a forty foot long projection screen in the sand that was covered in glow in the dark phosphorescent paint and so and then she projected on that screen and because of the glowing paint, images would would kind of hold and fade, and people could put themselves into the images, kind of like put their bodies up against the screen and then walk away in their shadow, would then become part of these projections. So it was very interactive, a lot of fun. You, people came up with, you know, their cell phones, flashlights, anything that kind of was a light source, kind of drawing on it, and it was just a very active, very, very, um, yeah, visually.
1: Well, and her edited. imagery was specific to the site. I mean, it was Santa Monica and the ocean and, you know, so what she projected was specific. And then, of course, the audience was right there. So you had this wonderful layering about the site. Right. And there was a crowd there there every minute until 3 in the morning.
0: Oh, I know. I was there. Of course, we're all there. I was there until 3 a.m. We had to kind of kick people (laughs) out, so to speak, and say, okay, turning it down now. Oh, no.
1: It's really exciting. It was great.
0: It was great. Well, we also did with CAP, and it was such a wonderful process because so the Community Arts Partnership Program at CalArts involves community organizations, and uh, there are art projects, or rather, art uh, experiences led by CalArts teachers, alumni, and students. And then that's the, the what CAP is about putting students into community organizations to uh, teach art and have that experience. And so there was a dance program that happened in the summer. That we invited them to come and do a site specific dance piece in front of uh, the global screen. And so it was nice to involve the youth of CAP into this. And they did this beautiful dance and these white unitards with glowing hula hoops and glowing stuff in their hair and interacted with the imagery. And they just were wonderful dancers. Um, and that well, was and a I loved it. Seeing-
1: to- their parents were there too. So it was this yes. great experience of seeing not just the, the young dancers who were, I they're like high school age, but yeah, their parents their parents were another source of light. They were like beaming to see no, their kids part of this exciting event. That was pretty and thrilling. I way, loved that.
0: Since yeah, you used that, that was word, great. I'll and also then, point out, I just want to point out that the name of the piece was Beam. B-E-A-M. Yeah. And it st- stood for Breathe, Align, Energize, and Move. So actually the piece was called Beam as well. You know, It was all these wonderful so, right. double entendres of words with glowing and beaming and, and all of that. So it was, it was really a wonderful success. And then also the other project I'll mention, which you were very, very excited about too, was the Indonesian Gamelan performances.
1: When I was in CalArts, my studio was adjacent to the Gamelan, and I felt transformed by hearing the sound. It was the most mesmer. I had never heard a gamelan until I was at CalArts, and I just could not believe my good fortune in, in just being exposed and learning about the gamelan. So to be working at an event where I could ask you guys, could we have the gamelan? And then the gamelan set up this elaborate stage, which was no mean feat on the beach, and played twice was beyond thrilling for me. It was just a highlight. And there were so many people at those performances and I was not at the first. I was at the midnight performance, but I understand there was a standing ovation. Oh
0: yes. At eight thirty oh, yes.
1: performance. It was pretty great. Yes, and I then mean, there was
0: it is great.
1: And then the improv the improvatory uh Ensemble was so great, and they started they opened glow with the um their kind of um engagement with the audience up at uh ocean and uh Colorado that was terrific right, we-
0: Right, we had the involvement of the CalArts Arts um, multidisciplinary improvisational troupe, and mm-hmm. uh, they are students who yes, who improv and and had uh, instruments and glowing things and, and, and engaged the audience and uh, under the direction of Susie Allen, who is a theater a theater professor at CalArts. So yeah, we really um, took it quite seriously when when we were about uh, asked to participate and Glenna Avila of course wanted to try to have almost, you know, all different layers and levels of CalArts participation in different schools. We had in other words the visual arts school, and we had theater school involvement, dance school involvement, the the Gamelon program at CalArts Arts is World Renowned and they they were involved. So it it was it was um it was a wonderful thing yeah. for, for CalArts it to be able to It was
1: Great flow. We were delighted.
0: Well good. I'm so glad mm-hmm. it was it was really uh really fun to, to to coordinate that. I mean, it, quite a. I I really have much respect for you. I mean, as a project coordinator, you know, I've coordinated program projects compared to Glow that are like tiny compared to Glow, but large compared to other things. But what you had to handle with the whole package is really, really quite amazing. And I think that it's because of all you know, we went through kind of your uh, whole career, a little retrospective of Mark Powell's yeah, career. Goodness. Yeah, well, it's well, it's informative because here you are running this major event, which I believe will become probably world-renowned. I mean, Nuit Blanche is now world-renowned, and I, this is only the third glow. It's oh, we got picked up years. by the
1: London. We were in the London Guardian. I mean, oh, we were also right. in a newspaper in Pakistan. Go what? figure. We were in the oh, Pakistani Pakistani Daily Times. You can Google it. Oh, that's
0: I don't fantastic. Know,
1: yeah, so oh, we're my global. Goodness.
0: global. It's a global world, exactly. So you're global, which was the name of Karen's piece, Global. Exactly. Oh, my oh, it's Very great. good. But, uh, but just to have you, thank you for taking us through that, My and just pleasure. you know, Thanks, explaining Cara. your your own personal process because it led up to something that is really, really special. And unfortunately, Glow is only one night now, every three years. Exactly. So people who missed it will have to wait three years to see it again. But in the meantime, you have got beautiful documentation on uh, glowsanta dot org for people to see images and get inspired and uh, be on the lookout for it in the future. And uh, it was a great experience to work on it. So I thank you so much, Mark, for being my guest on Just Radio. Okay. Okay. Talk to you soon. And just to remind people that Just is an artist-run company providing information, technology, and solutions created by artists for artists. And our mission is to support artists by empowering them and educating them so they can develop sustainable careers on their own terms, like Mark Pally has. Thank you for being my guest listening in today and join us again and check out our archived episodes on just radio on blog talk hi i'm a helpful southern california honda person and recently we've been doing random acts of helpfulness Like sending a kid to basketball camp and helping a family with gas for their son's frequent hospital visits. And during the Honda Summer Bration Sales Event, we can help you with a great deal. Because right now, we're clearing out the 2017s, like the Accord, a 2017 Car & Driver 10 Best a record 31 times. Click the Dealer Locator link to find a dealer near you and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know. Car & Driver, January 2017.